Hey everyone, welcome back to Revival, a podcast about small business, disruptive marketing, and charting a course in uncertain times. Today, we're talking with Troy Bowen with Noble Riot. Noble Riot is a wine bar in Rhino, a neighborhood in Denver, that is adjacent to a craft cocktail bar called Nocturne. As a bit of upfront background, Nocturne was the brainchild of Scott and Nicole Matson, and who, as you'll hear in this episode, are Troy's co-founders at Noble Riot. Noble Riot has made the transition into offering fried chicken takeaway as Noble Fry It. <laughs> how awesome is that? We get to talk about how he made the transition from wine bar with a curated attention to small wineries to a fried chicken shack that sells bottles of wine and cocktail sets with his co-founders at Nocturne. If you had told me a year ago or even four months ago that I'd be running a chicken shack instead of a wine bar, uh, I would have laughed a lot. I'm Morgan Smith, and this is Revival. Before we go any further, I just want to uh, ask or or discuss a little bit about your philosophy of wine and how Noble Riot approaches that. I know it's always a big deal, and I know different wine bars, different wineries, different restaurants all have different and similar approaches depending on who you talk to. And I just wanted to kind of lay the the groundwork about how you think about wine. Sure. Wine is something very, um, I don't think that I was, I came up in wine the way that most folks do and most sommeliers um, have. Um, I started with the weird stuff and stuck with the weird stuff, Um, but not weird because it was weird. It was just that, you know, I always, always have worked with very small producers and with small importers and with small companies. And small tends to show off some of that individual character a little bit more often and tends to show some quirk more readily. Um, so I started a very small wine store in New York and it was all small production wines. And I'd meet a lot of the winemakers being in New York, they'd come through, worked for Jenny and Francois, which uh, is an importer that imports only natural organic biodynamic wines and those winemakers had a really big impression on me. And so I've always felt that I work for the winemakers more than anyone else. Um, I believe wine is something that you can find, there's different styles for everybody. I'm not saying that my way is good for everybody, um, but I do think that there is a lot more space in this field than what some people want you to think. Uh, A lot of times it seems as though the wine that is made the best is the one that everyone should be drinking. But if that were true of art, you know, we'd only see 1% of the art that's made. You know, if everything was needed to be perfect in art, half of the things would never get out and we wouldn't have the creative dialogue to be able to understand our culture in that way. And I think wine is similar. Uh, So I focus very hard on small producers who are honestly and earnestly trying to show us something about the land, about themselves. Um, I prefer, you know, that when people are working so small like that, they tend not to invest in a lot of chemicals to try to change their wine a lot. Uh, if they're working that small for, for, for a couple of reasons, one, 
they don't want to have if they're if they're just tilling the land themselves and working with their family, they're going to be the first people who are going to be ingesting all those chemicals. And so there's a different connection to it when you are the person who's pruning all those vines. Do you want to be pruning vines that have a myriad of chemicals that have been put on them or not? Maybe yes, maybe no. But um, it's just less likely that a small producer will invest in a lot of chemicals for that and for the expense. And because you don't have to necessarily, depending on how you're trying to go about making wine. So typically wines that are not intervened with very much that let the land do the work and let the grapes do a lot of the work and that are not, uh, that just aren't messed around with and that aren't manipulated like crazy. Um, that's how I like to drink them. That's how I like to sell them. That's the stories that I like to tell. I think they connect with humans better. Um, but again, they're not always masterpieces. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> they're uh, finger paint on the refrigerator, but sometimes <laughs> even those can connect you to mm. times in your life that other things really can't. So I don't uh, apologize for that, nor do I think that masterpieces of wine are, are shouldn't be drank. I just advocate for the style that I know and for the winemakers that I know. That's awesome. That's a great philosophy. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Especially it's the so quirkiness. There's right, so exactly. much fun. There's so mm-hmm. much fun to experience. Exactly. That's the truth, right? So did you start Noble Riot with Scott? Yeah. So Scott and I uh, and uh, Nicole all started it together. But um, the kernel of the idea was from when Scott and I worked together at uh, Mondovino. Okay. Yeah. There were many nights after a shift was done that you could drink uh, some of the some of the bottles for research, and we do a lot of research, and uh, we had a lot of good conversations down there. So that's kind of where it started, actually. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about how you came from those nights <laughs> doing research into a fully fledged wine bar in Denver. Sure. Um, well, it was kind of a confluence of events. I moved back here from New York. I grew up here, but I moved back here from New York with the intention of opening up a wine bar in Rhino. So my vision was already kind of looking at that on the horizon. Um, it didn't happen as soon as I had expected, but certainly my intentions were focused on that. And so Scott and I were working together before he had opened Nocturne. So we talked a lot about his business prospects with Nocturne. And then we would also talk about this wine bar here. So in the intermediate uh, intermediate era, in the middle zone, uh, he and Nicole opened up Nocturne and got it rolling really well. And, you know, I kind of did my thing and they did that. And at a certain point, they approached me again about doing work in some capacity with this new wine bar project that we had talked about. And it sat there for a little bit longer. And then um, a bit later, they approached and said, why don't we all just partner up and do this? Um, And so it became really an effort between the three of us to get um, focused on it. And they had put together a business plan. They had put together the initial logo. They had put together the name. um, And it was just such a great it already had a lot of momentum, um, especially carried from when we first started talking about it, but also what they had done on the business end and the business plan and all those things. So um, 
then we just started the search for spot and did all the all the stuff you know all the normal stuff right right how uh one thing that how long have you been around uh april 2019 so we just okay. celebrated our year anniversary on april that's a crazy year <laughs> if you had told me a year ago or even four months ago that i'd be running a chicken shack instead of a wine bar uh, i would have laughed a lot We'll be back in a moment to talk about his transition. But first, I actually want to talk about coffee. As you can imagine, I'm a big proponent of Shop Local, and I've been buying coffee recently from one of the local roasters in my area to help them out during these times. Um, but even beyond that, they're just a great roastery, and they have an ethical supply chain, and they make amazing impacts in communities here locally and internationally. And it always reminds me, coffee shops always remind me of our mission at Scale to One Million. Coffee shops are places to gather for the community, places to work, if you're a barista, if you're a coffee lover, and it's also a business that builds wealth for the owners and for the greater neighborhood. Scale to One Million is a small business training platform and community, and our mission is to revitalize neighborhoods, main streets, small towns, big cities, everywhere, by creating jobs, wealth, and community through the power of small business. Scale to One Million helps small businesses find their footing and grow. And you definitely don't have to be a coffee roaster to fit in. We teach really simple, really easy to use tools that have generated more than $760 million worth of growth for the small business owners who have used them. We provide courses, mastermind sessions, and an online community for small business owners. So you can head over to scale1million.com. That's with the number one, and learn more today. One thing that really struck me about Noble Riot is you. there's a lot of creativity in your branding already. As I understand, or what I saw, there's a wine pairing course for BDSM. Yeah. And that's like one of your many offerings yeah. that you have. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a micro cosm of what we're going to talk about later about what it means to be in a small business right now. But uh, we are trying two things. We're trying to have fun and we're trying to make that fun translate to who wants to join us in fun and drinking and those experiences. Um, and we want to take away a lot of that kind of aura around wine drinking that was a little bit distant. So beer drinking and even craft cocktails to an extent feel very close to people people feel that those are very approachable whereas wine has always been something that people need to warn you about what their level is like i'm not a snob i'm not a connoisseur um i like this and this and that's it um but we wanted to take that down a couple notches and just say like let's just have fun with it it's alcohol like it tastes good it's interesting like if you want to dive in dive in it'll it'll let you but if you don't come in drink some stuff have fun have some conversation and so that class in particular was for Valentine's Day, and it was just a way to say, like, look, there's a lot of things that we all do that we don't necessarily think about together. But uh, it was a I think it was actually I think it came out of a little riffing session that Scott and Nicole and I had, which are always a lot of fun, just throwing out things like Pinot Gris, Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Pinot Grigio, you know, so it just kind of came out of that and it is a natural um it was a natural fit to put it for valentine's day for couples and 
it just highlights how willing we are to kind of push against a couple of different places that we think are, you know, everyone thinks that they're brick walls, but they're really just stage facades that you can kind of knock down with a, with a good blow. So that was a lot of fun. It was a great class. It was full. It was, uh, and it did everything we wanted it to do. And it was just a ton of fun and made for, I mean, the fact that you knew about it and that people just kind of saw it, even if they didn't come to it, that helped us establish who we are as an identity really well. You've been running a wine bar for uh, about about a year. Yeah, six months to a year, eight months. And that this coronavirus comes along and shelter in place orders come in and they basically shut you down. Yeah. What was that moment of transition like for you? Uh, it was remarkable. It was, um, you know, I was just kind of, I'm kind of a bull in a china shop sometimes and I'll just kind of just charge forward for as long as I can until there's something strong enough to stop me or someone taps my shoulder and tells me to stop. Um, and so I was just kind of going ahead full force. And the weekend before the shelter in place came in, the week before, I had started to put together some to-go menus, anticipating that this is going to be something that people are going to have to come and go and not sit here. But we hadn't got any idea about shutting down yet. So the week before, we had kind of laid some of the groundwork. I had put together a to-go menu and a takeout menu by chance just to float it. Um, and we, The other interesting thing about this is that we were working on a new menu that was the new menu was to drop the day that we were told not to oh, open geez. again. So the weekend before Scott and Nicole called me and said, Hey, we've made a really tough decision, but we're going to close Nocturne for eight weeks or for an amount of time. And they have been open at Nocturne for five years. So they have some cash reserves and they felt that both in terms of their, um, the demographics of their guests and who they are and what they're doing that they needed to close down. It was both a moral decision and a business decision. And when we were talking with them a little bit, I kind of realized, you know, I'm not really sure. We don't have the same cushion. We've only been open a year. We don't have a cash reserve. We haven't, we still feel like we just got patched. So I talked to them a bunch more about what we could do to stay open, what we what would need to happen with the intention of staying open in some form. And so that weekend, I just, I did a lot of thinking. And um, one of the items that we were going to have on our new menu uh, was some iteration of fried chicken. And so instead of letting that whole menu die, I just ran an ethernet cable to the other, I, I connected the printer to the Nocturne kitchen, which is something we had started to do, but hadn't finished. Um, whipped up a menu, uh, had one of our great employees did that graphic for the chicken in the bucket and was just came up with that hilarious name. And, you know, it was, it just kind of came together and we just, I went to restaurant depot the day that they announced, like the hour that they announced that I happened to be at Restaurant Depot already. And so to go containers were those aisles were getting flooded and I just bought a ton of those things and said, let's go, let's try. Um, and it was pretty successful. So it's just about being nimble. It's just about being 
creative and having, you know, I, the thing that got me through this is having a team both on staff and partners that are willing and able to do things like this and to follow whims and to put effort into it and to just say, let's do it. And here's how it's going to look like. And here's what we can do. And here's the resources we have. So you never know how it'll turn out. Oh my God. And now no you run a chicken job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. What a strange, what a strange world to be in. How oh so? How how has it gone? Really well. I mean, for people who are in hospitality, the only thing you want, your main currency, is interaction and happiness and enjoyment and transferring that to people. And so, the fact that we've had the opportunity to continue to do that with our guests has been remarkable. Um, it is. It has been busy. We've gotten some good press about it. We have enabled the people who want to come out to have a place to come out to, to enjoy some gluten-free fried chicken that is fun, but also really pairs well with the wines that we're still able to serve. And uh, the food has been a significant aspect of it. But interestingly enough, since we've been able to sell bottles to go, people have really come to us to buy bottles quite a bit. And so we've become a retail force as well. So we're actually kind of going back to our roots in retail, selling things that way too. So, you know, a lot of days, some days the sales are really unbalanced and food is really high and wine is lower. And some days wine really takes over and is way more than food, but then often it's just even. So Hmm. let's see how many people between you and Nocturne were employed before COVID and have you been able to maintain most of their employment? Right. So Nocturne shut down and I don't know uh, their numbers as well, Um, but they probably had 30 employees or so. Um, We had seven employees um, and the benefits of having three owners is that there's three people that aren't going to take money at this time. So we can certainly with Nocturne being closed, we can trade shifts and cover everything. That said very quickly, it became apparent that we'd need some help. So we rehired. So for one thing, we certainly kept that chef uh, in the Nocturne kitchen. Um, We hired another kitchen staff from Noble and then another staff member from Noble. And then I've just now started to add a third noble employee for help on days that we're having our classes because we're starting to do virtual classes again so yeah we've um and for a time we had rehired a couple of the bartenders because we're still doing cocktails from nocturne so yeah i mean we didn't get to hire all of them back but especially on the noble side that's a pretty good percentage and i'm happy just to have the ability to say that we've needed them and we needed them from right away. I mean, it was clear that we couldn't just have um, the three owners working seven days a week or six days a week. Um, We needed more help than that. That's a testament to good fried chicken and selling wine. Yeah. Yeah. And then our social media guru has been, I mean, she uh, helped come up with some of the initial relation like the relatable part of it and i mean we could have done all of this under a rock and would have been just as amazing chicken and no one would have known about it um she's really pushed it to the next level and helped us get the word out there to a level that none of us really could have done on our own so her contribution 
maintains this place like crazy. It's, in, it's in intense how much it's changed our interactions with the public too. That's really, that's awesome. That's incredible actually. So a couple yeah. questions just to turn to you as an owner, <laughs> less than the mm-hmm. businesses uh, in, in whole. Um, sure. One of the, I think one of the most painful things in this crisis is how destabilizing it's been and the amount of uncertainty that we face. Uh, no one yeah. really seems to know when this will end, even if the shelter in place orders are lifted, when, when will it all abate? Um, so how have right. you been coping with or, or facing this uncertainty? Uh, for better or worse, I usually face uncertainty and problems with work and I just kind of try and work through things. And so this has been a great, um, forum for me to place that energy um, and so that's, I think, partly why I was so quick to jump on this was that I knew I needed something to focus on and I wanted to give, I needed to do something. I needed to, to do something. Um, so I think that's been most of it was an effort to, whether it's distraction um, or just coping, but it's like I needed something to really dive into and Noble has always been so close to me that it's always been what I've poured my efforts into. So that was kind of an easy choice in that respect. Um, but it's hard. I mean, there's been, there have been some rough days for sure. I mean, I've had a lot of concerns about my moral compass, you know, has it, is it right for me to give people a reason to come out when they should Mm -hmm. be staying in? Should I be, um, is it okay to kind of attract people into a space um, knowing that that's one of the things that's going to, that could hurt us. Um, So, you know, if I don't feel, you know, I wrestle with those things and I come to the conclusions that I come to and, you know, have the, I certainly wouldn't have gone against what uh, the higher ups say. I wouldn't have said, listen, they told us to shut down, but I'm not going to, I'm going to keep going. Um, I saw that the municipality that I live in deemed restaurants essential businesses. And I said, if they are willing to say that that's what we are, then that's what we are. And Scott and Nicole um, with their business plan for Nocturne has a great line in there about how, you know, we're not doctors and we're not, um, you know, some of those professions feel like they are essential in a different way than ours, but ours fulfills people in a very different way. And it's a very important thing to have in our culture and our civilization. So I take that to heart and I try to make sure that we provide for our community as well as we can and provide both food and comfort and happiness, as well as a a modicum of interaction. And then you know, restaurants are built to be safe places. We've always been very um, regulated in terms of our safety protocols. So if there was a place in the city that was safe and clean, uh, you know, it's most likely a restaurant. Um, they, the protocol for, we get tested for these things multiple times a year and there's so many provisions in place um, already beforehand. And Scott, Nicole and I are just adamant about that anyway so we are keeping a very safe space even safer um so it's good it's i'm i'm always good to i'm happy to have challenges both 
physically, emotionally, morally, I like to have challenges because then it helps me define myself and find answers for who I want to be in this community. And so, I don't know. I guess that's a long answer, but I don't know, man. That's yeah. How I, that's how I go through it, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% valid. And um, different people have different ways to adjust to all of this, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. Mm-hmm. What are a few things that give you hope right now? Um, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of folks coming together to help. This is anything like this that tests a community you can either see people come together or you can see them break apart very quickly. And I feel like, especially here in Colorado, we've been very good about engaging with each other to try to make sure that people stay safe and happy and hopeful, Um, whether that's healthcare workers or smaller communities, just helping each other out. I feel very proud to be part of the Rhino community. Um, And I've felt a lot of kinship with everyone here. So I'm very hopeful that everyone comes out of this, good whatever that means to them but um you know we're a good group of people and everyone wants to do everyone is sick of this but everyone wants it everyone to be okay and so i have a lot of hope that the just in general um i think everyone's going to find their way one way or another and they're going to make sure that no one falls too far in this so um i just hope that uh we don't lose too much in the process. I hope mostly, even though we have to lose something, the gains come out of this somehow. That's great. Thank you, Troy. Thanks again so much to Troy Bowen for joining us. If you live in the Denver area and are in the mood for some fried chicken, which, I mean, if you're like me, it's like every other day, head to NobleRiot.com to find their takeout hours and menus. And again, if you're a small business owner or entrepreneur looking for a path forward, head to ScaleTo1Million.com, that's with the number one, to learn more about our courses, mastermind sessions, and community. Thanks to Crystal Husky, Robert Smith, and Quinn Tenorio for their support in producing this podcast. See you next week.